0: Gracious Father, indeed, when we were lost, when we were without Christ, O oh Lord, our hearts were dead. Lord, we were blind to the truths of your word. We could not see, as it says in your word, we, we could not see the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. Indeed, the devil had blinded our minds to your truth. But, Lord, in bringing us to yourself, you have enabled us to see. You have taken off the veil and and the blindness with which we're blind, O Lord. And you have enabled us to see and to love the Lord Jesus Christ. You've enabled us to see you and to love you, Heavenly Father. You've enabled us to see and to love your Spirit. I pray indeed by your Spirit that you would help us uh, to understand your word this morning. I pray indeed that you would convict us of these truths, that you would encourage us with these truths, that we, O Lord, may be a praying people. Lord, what better place is there than in your presence? O Lord, a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, as the psalmist said, we would rather be a, a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Indeed, O Lord, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Indeed, O Lord, I pray that we would learn what it means to come before you in prayer, what it means to come before you in prevailing prayer, prayer, O Lord, that you delight to answer. Lord, if we do not have your help, we cannot understand your word. So please give us understanding, I pray, and help us to do your word we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. What we're looking at this morning is from Luke chapter 18. And it's one of the parables that Jesus told to his disciples. And from my last sermon, I started to work my way through one of the parables. And this is another one of them. And each of them explains a facet of the kingdom of God and how we as Christians, as citizens of that kingdom, are to act. And this parable, as I'm sure you can see, is about prayer. But it's about a very particular aspect of prayer to do with perseverance, to do with not giving up. Prayer is to the Christian as breathing is to a human Prayer is to a Christian as breathing is to a human, as a human needs to breathe in order to live. So God in his grace, God in his kindness has given us the gift of prayer that we might thrive and grow as Christians, that we might learn to depend upon him. He has given it as a means by which he gives things to us, by which we unburden our hearts before him. And in order to pray rightly, Christ has given us different directions in His Word and guidance that we might pray and that we might keep on praying. And He tells us here this parable that we might pray with perseverance. And I put to you this morning maybe this is why, if you feel that your prayers often go unanswered, maybe this is why one reason. Why your prayers may go unanswered. That the Lord does not say yes or He does not say no. Because in our prayers, in all of them, they must be persistent prayer. Have a look with me at verse 1 of Luke 18. Jesus gives the reason for telling this parable. Jesus said this Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and to not give up. So here Jesus gives them the reason and the purpose behind what he says. Notice there with me in verse 1, to show that they should always pray, that's the action, and that they not give up, that's the motive. Or another translation that they ought always to pray and to not lose heart. In the rest of Uh, the New Testament, throughout the epistles of Paul, Paul continually again and again exhorts the early churches to pray and to keep on praying. These words might be familiar to you. He says, pray without ceasing. Or again, he says in Romans, be constant in prayer. What does this look like? What does it mean to be constant in, to pr- in prayer and to pray without ceasing? Does it mean that every single moment we cannot do anything else? We, we, we cannot uh, serve someone else. We can't lift up a chair and put it over there. We, we can't do anything unless we are praying and we have to pray every single second. No. But there is there a constant dependence on God. To pray without ceasing means there is a constant dependence on God. It does not mean just praying every day, although that is good. It does not mean just praying every morning and night as we see in Scripture. But it means a constant dependence on God before we do anything, during we are doing activities, while we are doing activities. And it means that when we pray about a certain thing, we don't pray for merely one day about it. but We pray the next day. And the next day, even if it takes us months or years, Jesus tells this parable so that we ought always to pray and to not give up, that we ought always to pray and to not lose heart. Why would Jesus tell us this parable? Have you thought about that? Why would Jesus tell us this parable? Because we do give up. Because we do lose heart. Because we don't always pray. Because we are tired and weary. Because it is so easy to give up and to lose heart. And as with all the things that Jesus says, he goes right to the very heart of it. He knows where to put his finger. He knows how to give us encouragement. He knows how to challenge us. And so he tells us this parable to deal with our half-heartedness in prayer and our giving up. Look with me at verse 2. You will see here the judge. He said, In a certain city... In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. A judge who neither feared God nor respected man. This judge, first of all, did not fear God. As a judge, particularly, he was to fear God. All of God's people were to fear him. In the Bible, one of the most common motifs, one of the most common themes throughout it is to fear the Lord, to revere Him, to be in awe of Him. And so often tied in with this is an obedience for Him. They go hand in hand. If you fear the Lord, you will obey Him. And in Isaiah chapter 1, he says this the people of Israel, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. And yet down in verse 23 of Isaiah 1, it says this, your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless and the widow's cause does not come to them. You see that this judge, he had a duty as a judge, but also presumably as someone who was of the people of God that he must bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. And yet he was a judge who did not fear God. He did not fear God. And we see, second of all, that he did not care about man. He did not respect man. As a judge, you would think that they should care about others, that they should care about justice and that the rights of others should be upheld. But this judge, not only did he not fear God, but he didn't care about others. He didn't give two hoots about them. He did not respect man. He was in it for himself. And so we see here that this widow comes to this judge We see here that she doesn't come to a judge who's maybe impartial or a judge who's kind of lukewarm, but this judge did not fear God and did not care for man. What hope did she have? I don't know, but that was running through my mind as I was thinking about this parable. What hope did she have? What hope did she have? coming to this judge who didn't even care about her and didn't even care about upholding justice and fearing the Lord. Have a look with me at verse 3. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Grant me justice against my adversary. This widow, she was disadvantaged in every way, and I want you to see this. She was a widow. And in first century Palestine, widows had nothing. The men were the ones who provided for the household. The men were the ones who had the voice. The men were the ones who could plead and be heard in the courts of law. And yet here this woman was a widow. And not only was she a widow and a woman... But she had an enemy against her. Not only was she disadvantaged by not having a voice and not having a husband, pardon me, I forgot my train of thought. Not only was she a widow, not only was she a woman, but indeed she came to this judge and she had nothing, and she had an enemy. And we see here that she comes to this judge. She comes to this judge. Notice there it says in verse 4, for some time he refused. Can you imagine what that would have felt like? For some time he refused. She kept coming, but for some time he refused. It's like us when we come in prayer and the Lord doesn't say yes and he doesn't say no. And it seems that often our prayers don't get higher than the ceiling. So often we feel exhausted, hopeless, defeated. There's no hope. Why should I keep coming back? Why should I keep asking? But you see here, even though for a while he refused, she kept coming again and again and again. She didn't have Any eloquence she didn't have any rights of her own. She didn't have anyone else pleading on her, uh, beside her for her cause. She didn't have anything. She didn't have wealth. She didn't have status. But you know what she had? She had persistence. As the old translations put it, she had importunity. She had an annoying persistence. She would keep, keep, keep. Coming. Maybe you've heard these words. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Please, please, can I have this? No. Can I please have this? Does it not wear you down sometimes? In the same way, in the same way, all this woman had, she had nothing else but persistence. She had nothing else but that persistent perseverance. And I want you to put that at the back of your mind when you think about us and prayer. Notice the next words, what the judge says. It says, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men... Not only does Jesus say he doesn't fear God or respect man, but this man knows that he doesn't fear God or care about man. He knows it and he even says it to himself. The arrogance here of this man, this judge, he says, even though I don't fear God, as if fearing God was such a light thing. It is like the Israelites who say in Jeremiah, no disaster shall come upon us. Even though they had sinned and their sin was a black mark against their name, they said this, no disaster shall come upon us. It is like the people who often shout into the heavens and say, Lord, show show me that you're there. Then they see nothing happen and they say, there, see? There is not a God who will hold me accountable. No disaster shall come upon me. This man said, even though I do not fear God or care for man, he knows it. He knows it. A couple of months ago, I was in the city with one of my friends and we walked up to two German students and we tried to tell them the gospel. And I said to them plainly, may I tell you the good news of Christianity? and they laughed and then one of them said sure, sure you can can tell us about Christianity sure and so I did I told them the gospel and yet the entire time they were laughing they were laughing they did not fear God and they did not care about man but we see here clearly that they did not fear God, and this is the very same judge. And I want to put it before you do fear God. I'm not talking about a fear of God as a Christian where you as a Christian where you have a fear of God where you must you must fear his judgment. No, as Christians we do not fear his judgment. We should if we're not Christians. But as Christians, we must have a deep reverence and an awe and a seriousness about the things of God. Do you fear God? Do you fear God? The writer of Ecclesiastes said this, the whole duty of man is this, that they fear God and keep his commandments. The whole duty. Summarized in that statement, Do do you fear God? Let me see here that the judge gave in. The woman did not. The woman did not give in. The judge did. It says there, even though I do not fear God or care about man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. You see here the reason for this judge's giving in Is not because he cared about her. It's not because he cared about doing justice. It's not because he feared God, as we have seen. But it was because this woman kept bothering him. Kept bothering him. Kept bothering him. And you know when someone repeats something so so many times, so many times, so many times, so many times, can you feel it? Can you feel it when it's repeated again and again? Yet here we will see. Here we will see that Christ encourages us to keep, keep pestering Him, keep, keep bothering Him, and He doesn't grow weary or tired or impatient with us. Verse 6. Verse 6. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge said. He who is ears to hear, let him hear. Hear what the unjust judge says. If you see this judge eventually saying yes, how much more God? And the true key to understanding perseverance and prayer is understanding to whom we are praying, understanding the nature and character of our God. But we see here that there is a judge who is unjust. But our God is just. We see here a judge who does not care about the people who are coming to him. But here we see all throughout God's word. And we know that we come to a God who loves us. In Genesis 18. Abraham says this about God. He says, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the implied answer is yes. It says in the psalm, Psalm 89, that the foundation of God's throne, the very foundation of his rule, if anything marks God's rule, it is this. It says righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. In Deuteronomy 10, it says he executes justice for the fatherless and for the widow. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. in Isaiah 62, I will read this out for you. Isaiah 62, God says this. On your walls, O Jerusalem... On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night they shall never be silent. And then he says this to those who pray. It says, You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. He says, give him no rest. He says, keep coming. Give him no rest. Take no rest. Don't give up. Keep coming. The Lord does not grow weary with our prayers. The Lord does not grow weary. We're the ones who are weary. The Lord laid something on my heart last year. Something important, and I prayed for it, did not come. I prayed for it. I knew indeed that he would give it to me because it it, it said it in his word and it was good. And I kept praying for it and praying for it and praying for it. And it was not there for six months. And maybe you've seen that. Maybe you've prayed for the salvation of children for years and years and years. The Lord teaches us to pray, does he not? The Lord teaches us to pray. Imagine if he gave everything to you in the first go. We could just simply say a couple of words and we would have it already. How often would we then go to prayer? How often would we then keep persevering in prayer? How often would we plead with him? If you remember Jacob in the Old Testament, wrestling with the angel of the Lord, wrestling with God himself, in Himself, for it says that he saw the face of God and lived He wrestled with the Lord until he could get but a blessing from the Lord. The problem isn't with God. I put it to you today, the problem is with us. The problem is with you and with me. Do you persist in your prayer? Do you persevere in your prayer privately? Do you persist in your prayer, just you and God? Just you and the Lord. Do you persist publicly in prayer? And I wanted to say this in particular. As a church, we're meant to be a praying people. Praying as we go home and praying together. And it's strange... That the prayer meeting is often one of the least attended meetings in the church. At my old church, and much to my shame, I did not attend a prayer, the prayer meeting. I did not care for meeting with God's people in prayer. And there were three people that attended the prayer meeting the minister, my dad, and an elderly gentleman. And yet I did not. I did not. And the Lord used that to convict me. There are reasons. There may be reasons why you cannot come. Distance can be one of them. Sickness or weakness can be another. Age can be another of these. But I want you. I want you to have a think in your heart. Why? Why do I not come? Why do I not come? And I'm not making this legalistic and say you have to come to every single one or you have to come to at least two out of every three or anything like that. But I'm saying be careful you do not neglect prayer privately and publicly. The prayer meetings are the engine room of a church. The prayer meetings are the engine room of the church. Your pastors, your elders depend upon it. Each and every member depends upon it. The other churches that we are associated with depend upon it. Your country depends upon it. Depends upon it. Your your world depends upon it. Your persistent prayer, privately and publicly. Times of revival have always, have always in history, have always, every single time, have been preceded by prayer meetings, persistent prayer by the people of God, you see it in the book of Acts. When Peter was put in prison, what did they do? They met for prayer and lifted up with one voice. Before you and God, I want you to have a think in your heart. Why Why is it that you do not pray persistently in private or in public for the people of God? it laziness i know so often that is me is a lack of discipline i see that in my own heart is it busyness it's a lack of love for god or for others friends the devil doesn't want us to pray the devil does not want us to pray he will do everything in His power to stop you from praying. He will distract you. He will, he will deaden you. He will distract you with something else. He will say, just put it off. Put it off. Some of His most deadly words, just put it off. Don't do it. it, it it's okay. It's okay. Just put it off. It'll be all right. It's okay. God's sovereign. He will, he will do whatever He wants. Friends, Paul knew that God was sovereign, and yet he kept on praying for all the churches. He kept on praying for all the churches. He said, I pray continually for you in my prayers, and I give thanks to you. We've given admonitions and encouragements to pray again and again and again. Hannah, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, that was read out for us. It said that the Lord closed her womb. Why? Why would the Lord close her womb? I submit to you one reason. There may be other reasons, but one reason is that she might keep on praying. Have you ever thought about that? Because it says later on that she would go to the temple and that that she had tears and she was persecuted by, by the other wife of her husband, Elkanah, again and again and again. And each year she would go up to the temple and she would keep praying so much and so fervently that the high priest thought that she was drunk. Thought she was drunk. Daniel. Daniel, even under the threat of death. Imagine that in this country if we had the threat of death. I'm sure that would enliven my prayers. He prayed three times a day, if not more. Think about Christ. Think about Christ. If anyone had least need for prayer because he was the strongest, he was the one who prayed the most. He was the one who prayed the most. He would spend all night in prayer sometimes. Lord Jesus Christ himself prayed persistently. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. And we see here an account of of the Canaanite woman coming to Jesus... We see here not a woman praying, but we see here the faith that goes hand in hand with persistence and persistent praying. It says, Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28. And we are given this to show us persistence. And Jesus went away from there. Pardon me, I'm reading in the ESV. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy upon me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer her a word. Those disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The woman came and knelt down before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dog eats the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Friends, you see here a woman who cries out for mercy. She cries out. She's helpless and and totally dependent upon Christ. She has nothing to give him. She knows who Christ is and she cries out, Lord, son of David. This is all she has Help me. Friends, even if you just pray those words, help me. And notice that Christ did not answer her a word. Does this not match our prayer sometimes? Christ did not answer her a word. Why? You can see what happens next. He comes back even more. It was the disciples who gave in. This woman didn't give in. The disciples gave in. They were like the judge. They were bothered and annoyed by this woman who kept coming back and kept crying out for mercy. She was desperate. She knew she deserved nothing, and she wanted even the crumbs, even the lowliest thing. Lord, just give me this small thing, please. Please, Like our prayers, sometimes God delays giving us a definite yes or a no, and yet he's encouraging us to keep on praying. True faith is a persevering faith. True faith is a persevering faith. It's a desperate faith. And it's a persevering faith. When Jesus said to ask and to seek and to knock, he didn't mean ask once. He didn't mean seek a bit, maybe knock quickly and then run away. No, he meant ask and keep on asking. He meant seek and keep on seeking. He meant knock and keep on knocking. And then he has that promise for us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Friends, I want us to think about how we are like this woman And then how we are not like this woman. We are first like the woman because we are needy and helpless and weak. And maybe those of you here who are weighed down by things, who are troubled, who are weary, who feel like they've got nothing left, who are tired, who are struggling with with those around them, friends or family who are not converted, friends or family, whom they are praying for desperately. Friends, we are like this woman. We are needy and we are helpless and weak. And yet as I give these points to you, how we are not like the woman, let me encourage you. First off, she was a stranger to this judge. She was a stranger to this judge, but it says later on in this chapter that we are God's chosen ones. We are loved by God. We are not strangers to God. Once we were strangers, we were exiles, strangers to the promise, and yet now we are his sons and daughters by faith. Now we are his children. She was the only one. She was by herself, and yet we have each other praying for us, praying for each other earnestly. She was discouraged to come. The judge kept discouraging her, but God says, come, come, come to me, ask, seek, and knock. She had an unjust judge, but as I said before, we have a just one, a loving Heavenly Father who delights to hear the prayers of each and every one of his children. She came on her own cause, but it says in in God's word that he pleads our cause. She had no one to plead for her. And yet we have at two intercessors. Not only do we have one Christ in heaven at God's right hand, but we have the Spirit in our hearts who intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. She only had to access certain times of the day. But friends, we have the ear of the Almighty God all the day all the day her persistence provoked the judge but God delights in her perseverance And so I see in my own heart so often I do not come before the Lord but friends let us come and keep on coming God is always faithful to his people in his timing and it says it says there It says that he will give justice to his people. It says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Surely he will bring justice. Will he keep putting them off, it says. The answer assumed is no. I tell you, Jesus says, he will see that they get justice and quickly He will give them justice and quickly. Yet some of the saddest words that he says in verse 8, he says, Nonetheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Friends, you do not need eloquence. You do not need to know the whole Bible back to front. You do not need to have the fanciest of prayers and and to babble like the pagans, as Jesus put it. You, do, do not, you, you don't need much, but you need perseverance and sincerity before God. You can have but two words and the Lord will hear you. Help me. Help me. Please. 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 It says that the righteous shall live by faith. And that living by faith includes perseverance. Perseverance. In Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, and I will give this encouragement to you. Hebrews 10, verse 38 and 39. It says, But my what righteous one, quoting from the Old Testament, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Notice these words, but we are not. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve our souls. Friends, if God has given you faith, it is a persevering faith. If He has given you faith, it is a persistent faith. Will He find you? Will, when the Son of Man comes, it says, Will He find faith on earth? It's, his implication is that true persevering faith will be rare. Will he find you persevering by faith and in prayer? Will he find you crying out in day and in the night? How can we persevere in prayer? And I'll give you some thoughts. Meditate much on the encouragements that the Word of God gives us. Meditate much on the encouragements the Word of God gives us. Sometimes meditation even is needed before prayer, that our hearts may be fueled and inflamed for prayer. Praying over scripture, encouragements God gives us. Meditate on God's character, the things that we've heard today from God's Word. Meditate on God's character and how, how delighting He is in our prayers. And meditate on your helplessness. When we realise God's delight and when we see how helpless we are that will drive us to prayer, nothing stifles and dampens prayer so much as self-dependence. Friends, do you you trust that God will answer prayer? If we pray in faith according to his will, he he must answer it. If If we plead his promises, he has to keep them. If he's promised something, he has to keep it. Do you know that? If he's promised that he must Keep it. Next, ask the Spirit to help you pray. It's the Spirit who intercedes in our hearts, with our hearts, even when we've got but groanings too deep for words. He helps us. He helps us. We've been given, as it says in Zechariah, the Spirit of grace and supplication, the Spirit of grace and pleading before the Lord. Next, have stated times that you were devoted to keeping for prayer. Have stated times. I won't tell you when to do it. That is between you and the Lord. But have stated times that you devote to prayer. Or otherwise, so often in busyness, as I see in my own life, falls by the wayside. Next, mark down your prayers. It is so encouraging to see something that you have prayed for, even for a year. And you see that a year ago you prayed for it and the Lord has not given it to you and he's encouraged you to keep on praying and then a year later he has finally given it to you. i will give you encouragement to keep on praying, to keep praying and not give up. You find yourself here and you are not in the Lord Jesus Christ if you do not know him. If God has not done a work in your heart and you see the fruit that he's bearing in your life if if that is you if you never pray it bears witness that you do not know God if you never pray it bears witness that you never know God you have never known God or maybe you pray For those of you in here who do not know God, you look deep within your heart if you pray but you do not know God because it is just a thing you have always done. It's the right thing to do. It's what my mum and dad told me to do. It's a good thing if your parents taught you to pray. But praying will never save you in and of itself. Only Christ can do that. Only God can do that by his grace. Praying a prayer will not save you. It says in Isaiah He's talking to Israel and they do not repent, and they keep praying to him with words, and they keep offering their their new moon feast and their Sabbaths. And he says, When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers I will not listen. You find yourself here today and you look deep within your heart and you see there that you have never repented of your sins, you have never forsaken your sins, and you were praying merely for the sake of things you can get out of it. If you do not love God, but you love merely the things that He can give you, and so that is why you ask Him. Come to the Lord. Come to the Lord, repent of your sin, and put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. For he delights to hear the prayers of those who seek him. Friends, may God help us all to be people of prayer. People who love to be with their Lord and Savior. People who love to be there and to dwell there and to live there. Friends, there is no better place than to be with God in prayer. There is no better place a better place friends I encourage you this morning pray and keep on praying ask and keep on asking seek and keep on seeking knock and keep on knocking and Our great god will answer your prayers let's come before our god and pray Almighty God, we are so weak and, and helpless and needy, O oh Lord. So often we give up, we lose heart. Lord, we thank you so much for your words here. Please, oh God, help us to think about the ways, O oh Lord, that you are just and loving. Help us to think about the ways, oh Lord, that we have nothing apart from you. Jesus said, you can do nothing apart from me. pray that we would believe those words that we can do nothing apart from him, that we can do nothing apart from his grace. Indeed, O Lord Jesus Christ, we can do nothing apart from you. We pray indeed that you would help our hearts, help us to earnestly look at our hearts, give us encouragement to pray, help us to not merely hear these words and then forget about them. Help us, I pray, to think upon them and meditate upon them, talk about them all the day, and I pray indeed... That we would be a praying people. Lord, you have said, my house should be a house of prayer. My house should be a house of prayer. Lord, if if you do not help us, Lord, we have nothing. Just like, oh Lord, we have have nothing except you help us to understand your word. But, oh Lord, we cannot pray unless you help us. I pray, oh Lord, that you do a mighty work in each and every one of our hearts. Continue to humble us before you, I pray. Continue us to help plead before you for our loved ones, for ourselves, for this world, this sinful lost world, which is held under the grips of the evil one. Lord, that we realize indeed that we must pray and to keep on praying. And Indeed, O oh Lord, we bring this before you through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.